Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for board game news and reviews. Hold on to your pants, it's time for a special episode. Hey, this is Mike, and I'm here with Steve. Hey, guys. And we got a special episode on the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast for you. We have two guests from Foreteller. If you haven't heard about Foreteller, this is the big app coming soon that we'll have, or actually by the time we... uh, air this podcast might already have launched. Uh, We'll have to see how those things go. But this is an app with narration, and I mean more than narration, as you'll hear about, for uh, some of these big campaign games. The uh, the big one that's coming first is for Gloomhaven, narration for the campaign system in Gloomhaven. And then uh, they're also working on the Isafarian Guard, the recent Kickstarter from last year that we covered. So with us, we have Jason and Thomas. Uh, Jason, how are you doing? Good. How are you guys? Yeah, doing great. Thank you all for making time for us. Uh, Jason, what's your job with Foreteller? I'm the uh, CEO of the company, but I am uh, responsible for the digital side of the app, so the experience of the actual app, and also the digital marketing. Awesome. Thank you so much for being with us, Jason. And then we also have Thomas. Thomas, how are you? Oh, I'm tired and happy and excited all at the same time. That sounds (laughs) like a great way to be. And Thomas, what's your job with the company? I am the chief technology officer and chairman, and my role is really kind of, I I work hand-in-hand with Jason. We we lay down product roadmap, vision, features, everything that we want to build short and near term, and hopefully very, very long term. Yeah, that's great. And I imagine with you being the technology head uh, and the app hopefully having launched by the time this is airing, you've been a busy little boy. Absolutely. Lots of 4 a.m. curtain calls. (laughs) Before we get into the full episode, we'd like to thank a few of our Patreon supporters. This week, we'd like to thank Ryan McLean, who's a co-op fan, Brad Batchelor, a co-op lover, and Francis Paul Mary, also a co-op lover. And thank you to all of our patrons. Uh, Thank you for supporting the channel, the work we do, uh, helping us buy audio equipment and tickets to Gen Con so we can cover more games and all that kind of stuff. Uh, If you'd like to support us on Patreon, uh, you can click the link in the show notes or just go to patreon.com slash one stop. And if your financial situation doesn't uh, let you support us right now, no worries. You can still support us by going and rating us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this. Uh, checking out the YouTube channel and subscribing over there. And also join us on our Slack and have conversations over there. We'd love to hear from you, discuss some games, give you some tips, uh, whatever we want to talk about. So thank you all for your support. So before we get into the whole foreteller thing, we like to generally with our guests just kind of get a feel for their history with board gaming and that kind of stuff. So uh, Jason, let's start with you. Uh, What what is your history with uh, tabletop gaming in general? When did you get into the hobby? Or are you into the hobby? I guess I shouldn't assume. Maybe you just do the foreteller thing. So initially, I was just a video gamer for most of my life, but I actually got into Dungeons & Dragons about five years ago, which kind of opened the avenue for me. So tabletop, I played and run uh, campaigns for D&D for 10 Candles. Uh, We did an Outbreak Undead a little while back. Um, So tabletop has been kind of my forte. And then I got into board gaming I would say about three years ago, one of the partners at Forteller actually introduced me to the world of board gaming through Gloomhaven, and then it just kind of fell from there. And just everything I need, I'm just gonna. I'm one of those collectors now. It has a Kalax uh, bookshelf with just stuff full of board games that I almost never play. 
that's that's me. <laughs> Sounds like one a lot of us. us. One of us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess that's a nice uh, kind of segue from uh, tabletop RPGing and like D and D, especially into Gloomhaven. Did that feel like a smooth transition for you? It was pretty smooth. I mean, I the first time I played it, I thought this is one of the most well-balanced board games that I had played just because it is set up for a range of different group types. And I think we almost beat the first scenario the first time I played, but just didn't make it. Second time around, we we barely hung by the skin of our teeth, but we made it through. And it just felt just so strategic. And it was really different from, you know, tabletops or even video games in it. So it just hooked me right in. And uh, Thomas, how about you? What's your history with gaming? Well, I started a long, long time ago. So I, I've obviously been a, a video game a- avid player since I was a little kid. I started getting into tabletop mostly in wargaming. I was a huge Warhammer fan. I probably have spent way too much money building Warhammer armies and painting them. <laughs> and I think that's pretty much every Warhammer or 40k. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it got to the point where, you know, the dining room table uh, would not be cleared off for, you know, two weeks because there'd be armies on there <laughs> for... Yeah, it it went downhill from there. Awesome. So, I mean, from there, you know, I kept playing video games, kept getting more and more into Dungeons and Dragons, different RPGs, Vampire Masquerade, played a lot of that. Lots of pen and paper games. Board games, started moving into uh, Gloomhaven, play a lot of that. I own probably every one of the D&D Adventure System games. Oh, like Legends of Drizzt. Yeah, all yeah, nice. Yeah, I'm pretty big into that because um, obviously we we love D and D in general. So those were kind of like a immediate transition of drug of choice. I couldn't help you guys notice that you both mentioned cooperative board games when bring up different games. You guys also play competitive as well. Uh, no, I, I tried to get into like Magic or even the new Keyforge, but I found myself more interested in the collection of the cards as opposed to the actual gameplay. And that got really scary for me because I can use the the very limited disposable income that I have on just uh, collecting cards. And I was like, I got to stay away from this. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. But like an adventure league or like a, you know, a, a sort of group competitive D&D. I haven't actually tried that yet, but I've read a lot about it. I'm just curious because judging by a title, we do cooperative board games. It's our focus. So though it's coincidental that you guys both chose cooperative board games to bring up as examples. Yeah, just a quick tangent. I, I do think, I mean, this is sort of a totally different discussion anyway, but I, I'm one who feels like tabletop RPG playing tends to be a cooperative experience. Like when, when I GM, which I do quite frequently, I'm not out to TPK the entire party. I'm uh, there to challenge them, but kind of cooperatively tell a story together. Do you all feel the same way with your kind of role playing experience? I certainly do. I, I actually like a little bit of the. Um... It's co- cooperative, but I like to be a little bit of an antagonist. Um, so, so I, I generally, I generally play a little bit of like rogue characters, you know, very in it for themselves, and and it can kind of feel like player versus player. <laughs> oh, then I guess the uh, like the gold hunting in Gloomhaven must be right up your alley. Oh yeah, I'll I'll skip everything and just go straight for treasure. <laughs> Yeah, for for me it's hard because I'm I'm one of those that can't find somebody to DM, so I'm normally the DM. But I, I tend to lean on the story a little bit more than the actual combat. Although the combat does enhance the story a lot for me. I like sort of twisting these webs around people's backstories and like, you know, oh you had a brother and you haven't seen him in twenty years. Oh well, oh uh, you just found him with this 
throat cut open and, you know, deal with that for the next four sessions. Oh, gosh. Yeah, you're, you're just traumatizing <laughs> yeah, so. your players. Nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If they're not crying at my table, then I didn't do the job. <laughs> so that's awesome with uh, your all's history and glad you got into cooperative board gaming. I think uh, Foreteller, it makes sense to focus on cooperative because I don't know if people playing a competitive game want to listen to narration for a while <laughs> before they try to kill each other. But yeah, let's uh, talk about the company. Before we kind of get into the big news of the app, I guess, Jason, since you're the CEO, can you kind of talk about the inception of this idea, how it kind of came together? Yeah, definitely. So uh, Travis, uh, who's one of the other partners, kind of came up with this concept. And at the time, both him and I were DMing two-year-long campaigns in D&D and were trying to put soundscapes together for our campaigns and do voices and uh, we would regularly get together for, you know, board games and hanging out with friends and stuff. And we didn't see that kind of avenue that existed for board games, the, you know, the, the more immersive experiences. It was basically like, read this book and do this, or run this dungeon or read this book and, and this is how you play. And so he kind of conceptualized and he messaged me one night and, and basically sent me an audio clip and was like, what do you think about this? And it was him doing the narration for Gloomhaven. And I said, wow, this is something special here. And he posted it on Reddit and Facebook, and it got a lot of positive traction. And people, you know, were throwing in the Futurama fry, take my money. <laughs> and I thought, okay, well, how do we, how do we platform this? And we kind of put together, okay, well, if we have some sort of an app platform that we can host these files on and grant access to people so that they can use this. Does this make sense? And it kind of just grew from there. You know, we got additional feedback. Thomas came in, um, helped us sort of put together what would be the app and the platform uh, moving forward. And we went to uh, conventions and we kind of just got feedback and it just grew from there and just kind of exploded out. How big is your team now? We've got, let's see, I think six people. That's really great. Now, clearly your first kind of try at this was Narration of Gloomhaven, but... I assume it was not just a simple email to Isaac and you immediately had a contract with him, right? Yeah, so we basically put together a, a bunch of samples that we thought were good enough to send to, to Isaac. And we actually didn't talk to Isaac uh, right away. We talked to Price, who's like the marketing director, I think. And he heard that and thought it was great and then kind of introduced it to Isaac slowly. And then we finally met him for the first time at Gen Con. Was it Gen Con, Thomas, or was it no, before it was, that? It was Gen Con. I mean, we talked to him a little bit beforehand, but we, you know, we had a face-to-face with him at Gen Con. Yeah. So it, it was uh, over many conversations and samplings of the audio that we put together. We actually got the Isofarian Guard contract prior to getting partnered up with Cephalofair. And once we did that and we assisted with the Kickstarter campaign, and we started getting more known in at least the small community that we were building. It just seemed like a good idea, and we, everything kind of just fit together. Well, I am really glad that you all picked a very small, simple-to-produce project like Gloomhaven as your first try. Because <laughs> <laughs> God knows you don't want to do more than like five... I mean, how many scenarios are in Gloomhaven? Five or six? Is that right, Steve? Something like that, yeah. yeah Plus yeah. or minus 100, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely an endeavor, but um, you know, it, it ended up working out really well. And I think that the format of Gloomhaven fits because if you look at something like Isofarian Guard, it is very much a sandbox game where there's decisions to be made and roads that you can go down or not go down. But uh, Gloomhaven is is a bit more linear, so you're sort of picking a, a scenario to do. You have an introduction to the story. You have a, any triggers that may occur during the dungeon, and then there's a conclusion. So 
it, it does seem like there's a there's a lot of audio or a lot of scenarios, but it is actually a little bit easier to navigate because it is so linear. Yeah, there's not a lot of branching that goes on once you once you make a decision and like commit to playing a certain scenario. So when you look at product development in general, we look at in the software world, we call it straight MVP of, you know, V1, bare bones, no gold plating type stuff, right? And for us, Gloomhaven just aligned perfectly with being able to produce something that would carry a user through that journey linearly and keep it within enough of a scope that we knew we could accomplish accurately and with quality, right? And as soon as we start saying like, oh, do we want to go down this path of trying to build this huge complex sandbox spider web? You know, I could pick any permutation of decisions and now I have to build a system that can handle all that, right? It, it does literally, it becomes as complex as it sounds. So, so this was something that was within scope that we could really feel comfortable and confident to deliver as, as a first initial version. So it's interesting for Gloomhaven that you've chosen kind of a, while there's a ton of content, it's linear, like you said, but Isofarian is open sandbox. You can go almost anywhere and experience almost anything. From a user experience perspective, how do you handle that from the app? I saw in the tutorial video that you have available that you can click on the scenario for Gloomhaven, click on the trigger point, click the next, so you can like walk through the steps. And so that seems pretty easy to to present to the users, but how do you manage that from the isoferon perspective? Yeah, so it's essentially decision branching, right? It's branching trees. Um, you know, in the in the software world, it's no different than artificial intelligence and thing and all kinds of stuff to make like computer AI work. Instead, we're we're relying on how do we surface that to the user, present them with the decisions, pick those choices. We have designs on how we're going to be able to accomplish that of like, okay, well, I know where I'm currently at in this large story. And, you know, when you look at a script, you might have this goes to point A or this goes to point B based off of a yes or a no response or more complicated of a response. But we we have ways to author that to carry the user through that path. And when we're drawing up the story in general of how it fits digitally, like with audio files and art and all this stuff, we kind of storyboard it out. If if I could depict a visual picture, it would be like a storyboard where we have panel A, you know, goes on the left side and we draw a line and it goes to the next panel and goes to the next panel. Once we start getting to decisions, we have multiple panels that can now get attached to where you were. We can represent that digitally very easily and quickly. And the cool thing about it is we also can remember that, which means we're going to bring a concept of a save game to something like that. So if you're playing like an Isofarian Guard where it is like a sandbox and you've made all of these decisions and whatnot, and then all of a sudden like one of your friends wants to play that too, but you're like, oh man, I already, I'm kind of already like really invested. And now, like how do you manage both sessions? remembering what you have, remembering all the items, remembering where you were, what decisions you made. We're going to bring that. We, we have that information available. So we're going to actually allow you to keep track of that stuff. And if you want to play with one group of friends and play the same game with another group of friends, we'll be able to essentially have a save game slot for that game. That's really cool. Uh, now, now I do want to, <laughs> I realize we're kind of getting into the nitty gritty before we go into the overview. So you have chosen to do a single foreteller app, and then you'll have kind of 
modules or viable add-ons within the app that will be for individual games. Can you talk about the general app sort of model, purchase model, whatever you want to call it? Sure. So what we're what we're really building is a platform. Um, we want to be a platform that m- and many publishers can bring whatever games they want to it. Um, we don't want to be tied to any particular brand, right? We want it to be open for everybody. So what that means is uh, they they would come on and based off of what we talk to them, um, you know, we'll we'll use Cephalfair as an example. You know, they were like, okay, we'll bring Gloomhaven on as a product. Gloomhaven becomes a purchasable product in the game library. And, you know, you can go in and you'll see Gloomhaven right there. You can go into it and every game will always be required to have free audio tracks. So you can actually listen to and hear the quality level before you want to commit to to purchasing. Um, we, We strongly believe in that, you know, consumerism power. So th- that's really the model. We don't want to sell parts of the game like... Um, well, like, like like pay 10 cents per scenario. Hey, you want to play scenario 20? Pay 10 more cents. Yeah, we, we want to avoid that at all costs because, you know, as video gamers as well, like we hate that. So that's not the model we want to fo- follow at all. We want you to be able to just buy the product and have it. And if we update it or you know like make changes to that product like if gloomhaven wanted to have something else added into it but in the same product you would just get that you wouldn't have to pay for it because you would already own gloomhaven yeah the way i i normally kind of explain it too is you know everything tom said is is fantastic and then on top of that i think i really look at this like a steam for board game narration so we might partner with a publisher that, for example, already has uh, free audio that, that is provided to their user base. So we, we would like to move them to our platform because we think that our actual platform is developed and can continue to be developed to add a lot of tools and um, excitement for the user base. But, you know, if there's something that's free, it might be free on, the, on our platform you know, we want to bring in a lot of different narration, a lot of different games, and sort of have a, a one uh, one stop place that you can you can get board game narration. Because I don't think anyone is really doing that right now. One stops. We hate one stops. That's a <laughs> terrible, terrible thing. <laughs> yeah. So before we get too much deeper in the conversation, let's let you hear what this sounds like. So here is a sample of the Gloomhaven narration. And if you listen to our PAX episode, you might have already heard uh, another sample of this. But uh, here's what Forteller's working on. Everyone needs to eat. Whatever your reason for coming to Gloomhaven out here on the edge of the world, that simple fact is never going to change. A mercenary can't fight on an empty stomach. So, when Jexera, a Valrath woman wearing a red cloak and enough gold jewellery to keep you fed for a decade, approaches you in the Sleeping Lion and offers to pay you ten gold coins to track down a thief and retrieve some stolen goods, well, it seems like as good an excuse as any to sober up and start paying off your tab. This thief has taken some important documents, says the red-skinned merchant, her tail whipping about in agitation. I don't care what you do to him, just bring back what is mine. 
Based on Jexera's description, it was easy enough to knock around a few alley thugs and get a location of the thieves' hideout. You don't find yourself as a mercenary way out in Gloomhaven without knowing how to crack a few skulls. So, your target is the Black Barrow. Sounds like a lovely place. So, uh, Thomas, to kind of go back to what you were talking about with Isafarian Guard and the sort of uh, platform there, are, are you saying that the app will have, or could, I, I know Isafarian Guard is still in development, could have potentially the capability to track things beyond just like narration and choices you've made, but even like keep track of inventory and those kind of things? So Eric Bitterman is uh, obviously the owner of Sky Kingdom, right? So he's he's making Ice Fair and Guard. Um, we're, we're in constant talk with him on what's ca- what what we want to do and what we can do. That's something we want to do. We don't know if we can do that. Uh, how can I say this? Do, do it with well. We we want it. We want what we're building not to be super tailored for a specific game. Right, we and that and that kind of fits with the whole like a, a Steam like platform, right? We want what we're building and to and investing in on a technology side because it's it's super expensive for us to do this development efforts to be able to be leveraged by lots of games. So when we start talking about like inventory management and like like items you collect and that kind of stuff, we want to do that. We absolutely do. I can't commit to having that like delivered with Isofarian Guard for like lots of reasons, but I want to make sure it would work to where any other game would also be able to opt into that type of functionality. If that makes sense. Like I want it to be general like baseline features that publishers can come on and take advantage of. So if there was something like that, then Gloomhaven could backfill in some sort of item database, right? And then it it could start taking advantage of that same sets of functionality. But we think it's valuable, and that's not, is and we think, uh, you know, like I, I play these games with you know my family and my brother and you know this stuff, and we have so many scratch pad pieces of paper with all of our characters' inventory written down on it, like somewhere, right? And we know it's hard to keep track of, right? We already have you in the game, right? Like, you're already listening to narration, so why not just solve the problem right there for you? So it's it's something we want to do, absolutely. Um, but we just need to make sure we do it in a way where any publisher can take advantage of it. Sure. So I'm picturing, I mean, correct me if I, I got this wrong, but it would be more of a generic, like, inventory list, and publishers could, like, fill in the possible items, and then you could select the ones that you have. Instead of like <laughs> some branded Isafarian Guard specific paper doll that you like drag and drop the illustrations of Isafarian Guard items onto, like it would probably be a bit more uh, kind of generic and open ended. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. We wouldn't, we would, I mean, hopefully we would grow to the point to where we could do something like that, but that, that would definitely would not be the first iteration. Unless all publishers would have paper dolls required, right? <laughs> like I, like some <laughs> right. sort of character sheet, right? Because you, you have to follow a certain pattern, right? To make this stuff work at, at scale. So uh, it, would, it would be more like here you can have an item database and kind of define some rules on like what you can carry, how much you can carry, and, and that kind of stuff. 
So one thing that was kind of interesting looking at the tutorial uh, video posted was the this concept of what do you do when you don't have a good connection or antenna connection. It was, uh, so I was mentioning that you can do something like a long press to preload audio. I just presume this means you can download it to your device to play later. Is that what that means? Or can you elaborate on what this feature does? Um, no, you're right. You're right. You can. That's what it means. We're, 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 <laughs> it's a quick question. Uh, absolutely. Quick absolutely. Well, well, so we, I, I do believe in um, supporting offline play. I, I've been build, building, you know, applications and like distributed applications, mobile applications for years, uh, years and years. And here in the United States, like, you, you know, we have great cellular connection and it's, you know, we don't, we're not exposed to a lot of these problems, but I've been overseas and there's not cell towers all over the place, you know, depending on where you go and you do have bad connection and you do rely on a lot of local Wi-Fi connections and stuff like that to, to really get connectivity. So that's, you know, something like a media based application is obviously bandwidth. I mean, it's audio, right? So it's not like it's not going to take bandwidth. We're not going to lie. It, it will, right? You're getting high quality audio. It, we want people to be able to do that on a Wi-Fi or, or something where they don't have to worry about a data plan and what kind of costs that might be associated to that to be able to enjoy the content. For sure. And I guess on the flip side, is there going to be a way to unload or free up space on the device you've downloaded that audio to? Absolutely. It's built in. Cool. Yep. Um, so, so just, uh, you know, to, to elaborate a little bit, uh, right on, like we have a lot of like kind of tools and tips and stuff on the profile page. Like there's a profile section of the application. Hopefully a lot of people aren't spending so much time there, but, uh, right there, there's a way where you can clear out basically any local stores that we consume with like media or artwork or, or that kind of stuff. So going back to the audio clip we played earlier from the app, uh, from the Gloomhaven part of the app. It's not just narration. There's also like sound effects and sort of, I guess uh, you all used the term earlier, a soundscape being created. So I'd love to get into kind of the recording process and how you find the actors and how you do these sound effects and all those kind of things. I know neither of you is in charge of that aspect of the company, but uh, can you kind of speak to, I guess, let's start with the actors, because I'm a former actor myself. I'm a, uh, I do some voice acting as well, very, very infrequently. So yeah, how do you kind of do that with, uh, gosh, casting, uh, doing the actual recording sessions, all that kind of stuff? You know, we're a small shop, so we're not getting the Matt Mercers of the world to come in and do voices. But, you know, we we do have um, some avenues to find working voice actors on specific Discord channels or uh, Voices123 was a really good um, resource to go and actually submit different scripts that we can get auditions from. So that process is a little arduous because uh, we'll get 40 or 50 auditions of the same line over and over again. And then it starts to mesh together. Which is really <laughs> yeah. Difficult, <laughs> you know, but then we'll find the right, uh, the right voice and the right tone for, you know, that specific script and then reach out and give them the longer script to see if they can get some additional samples in. I know that Travis, who is, who's the other partner, um, he handles all of the, the auditioning and the actual directing because a lot of these actors aren't in Arizona where we live. So he'll do, you know, over Skype or over uh, Discord auditioning. He'll do, you know, send me these uh, specific samples and then uh, get on a call with them and talk about tone and direction and things like that. So it's a very hands-on approach when it comes to getting the voice actors to, to get the recordings done. 
Um, on top of that, we have licensed sound effects and music, and some of the music is actually composed for the specific tracks. So it's a it's a really interesting creative process that is is a lot different from software design, which is you know where I'm come where I come from, but it is. Uh, you know, it's great. You know, I, I like participating in it and I'm sure that Travis loves it because that's his sort of forte. Now, are we looking at, is there like one workhorse actor or actress doing like the vast majority of the sort of general narration and then you just throw in like kind of character voices otherwise, or is it really more divided up than that? It's pretty divided, uh, but we do have one that we keep going back to. His name's Philip Sacramento. He's, he lives in the UK and he is fantastic. He has a voice range that I I really hadn't experienced before. So he can do almost any accent we send him. And he has a range from, you know, really deep, like grumbly characters to really young characters. And so we, we go back to him a lot because he has such a good range. But, you know, we try to make sure that every, at least every main character has their own dedicated voice actor because then it just feels more authentic to the conversation. How do you approach these voice actors? Like, I assume you have to describe the scene or the backstory or how, how is that process delivered to them? Well, I mean, Gloomhaven's so big, Steve, they've all played it, of course. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, Jack Sarah, actually, you, all, you all know her, just be her. It's, there you that's, go. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's actually funny because uh, some of them have. Oh, that's great. <laughs> wow. Cool. Yeah, Philip in particular was is a really big Gloomhaven fan, and as soon as we brought him the the concept of the project, he was he was all in right there. Oh, that's, that's amazing. That, that's gotta, that's gotta be a dream right there to like be featured in <laughs> some sort of form of your one of your favorite board games. Yeah, he's actually the main narrator for uh, for the Gloomhaven game too, so it uh, it worked out really well. I actually worked on some of the processes for this. So I, I, what I'll do is I'll take an outline of the dialogue and the, the narrator's dialogue from the book and then basically build an actual script in an actor script format. And so I would set, this is what's happening in the scene. And then, you know, this is the tone of the, uh, of the scene and then have the dialogue sort of split out that way. That way the each actor, and they'll get the full script. They'll see where they are in, in the um, in sort of the level of conversation and then they'll be able to respond to the actual dialogue. And if we have dialogue already recorded, we'll send that to them as well to say, this is what you're responding to. So it, it's a pretty detailed process. Yeah, that's, I mean, as an actor, I know how good it is to have somebody to play off of. So having the other audio, that's awesome. Yeah, that ties into one of the other questions I had was since, well, both you guys are gamers and apparently some of these voice actors are also gamers, which is awesome. Is NB worried about spoilers because they're reading these narrative elements <laughs> yeah we um we heard back from philip because he he has to narrate the entire game so um we kind of warned him ahead of time hey like what scenario are you on right now and i think it was something like seven or something i'm like okay well are you are you comfortable because you're you're totally going to get this and, and at first he was like yeah no big deal you know i'll still enjoy it and then by you know scenario 40 he's like yeah yeah, this is totally spoiled. From. I'll still enjoy it. But <laughs> the tone had completely changed. Well, gosh, he's seeing every branching path, like even the ones probably the diehard gamers have never seen. That's that's funny. Yeah. If, if you had to ballpark it, how many individual actors would you say are lending their voices to Gloomhaven? I would say between nine and 13 different actors for the game. 
and a lot of them have you know maybe either as good as Philips range or or just under it. So we we you know we're making sure that even if it's just side characters or a guard that that stops you and it's only you know maybe two or three lines that it's different enough that you're not hearing the same voice over and over again. How long does it take to make one of these chapters or scenarios if you have like the script and I mean not I'm not talking about a full game per se but like a decent portion of the game does it take a while did you go through this whole process if we're including the, the the actual recording of it it's probably two hours for every minute of audio two to two and a half hours of every minute of audio that's recording it and doing some direction and then the actual editing process two hours for every minute how many minutes <laughs> do you think are in the full <laughs> gloomhaven narration <laughs> Well, Gloomhaven will be about three and a half hours, a little, maybe a little bit over that. Oh, wow. Yeah, Isafarian Guard will be about nine hours. Oh, my Ooh. gosh. Yeah, I guess that's what branching uh, narratives do to you. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I did not get the feeling from Isafarian Guard that it would be as long as a full Gloomhaven campaign. But if you can really go different places with it, yeah, wow, that that's pretty wild to put it in perspective. So you've already talked a bit, especially, uh, Thomas, you have, about the kind of ideal plans for the company, you know, bringing in a lot of people, having this one set platform, increasing the functionality and the user experience and kind of what you can do. Are there any other cool features that you're excited about or like types of games you want to branch into? Just like, you know, if, if you're pie in the sky, you can do whatever you want with the app. <laughs> where, where, where would you love to go down the line? So I, I, th- I think where I would start with that is actually the, the, the first thing is, something that's already there and capable. It's just not really talked about. If you... Uh, we're launching on a phone, right? So we have Android and iOS. The, those are the first two initial platforms. If you ha- have an Android, for example, and you go and you buy Gloomhaven, this is tied to your account and it is not tied to your Android phone as a, as a purchase. So if you ever get a new phone and you want to go to an iPhone, it's actually your account that you would be logging into, not your like app purchases, your content just goes with you. So that, that kind of leads into the longer term vision of multi-platform. Um, we do not want to stay on phones. We want to branch into living rooms. Uh, we want to go onto TVs, uh, whether it's like Apple TV or Xbox app or PlayStation app or something of that nature. Desktop clients. We, we don't want to stop at just a phone. We want to get it into any type of channel that a consumer wants to be comfortable and play play a game in. So multi-app development or I should say multiple platform development is pretty challenging from the little I dabbled in it. What type of tool, if you don't mind me asking, are you using for that? Is it something like Unity or something else? Or we're we're evaluating that in terms of in terms of like the the targeted console development and stuff. I, I that that's actually at the top of the the, the short list. And it just fits a lot of the needs for the device development, whether it's a TV or a PlayStation or an Xbox or, or that kind of stuff. For sure. it, do, it does fit that model very, very well. And, that, and, and it actually gives us access to more multimedia elements that we would want to do. We want to make it a little more immersive. We want to kind of leverage uh, a full-fledged game engine to kind of spice things up a little bit more than just you know, an, uh, an actual application. And Jason, correct me if I'm wrong. I think we talked about this at PAX. Am I remembering correctly that you wanted to maybe have the the option or the potential to 
kind of like collect who made which choices in a campaign. And then we could like see that, oh, almost everyone went this way. And then like if a publisher wanted to like kind of make that part of an official story for an expansion, they could. Am, am I totally off on that? No, no, no. Yeah, we, we definitely want to. And, and I think Thomas can probably talk more to this because it's it's more in the analytics and data collection side of the app. But that but you're totally on the, on the mark. I guess I need to preface it that we, we, we are GDPR compliant. That that always comes up in any talk with with data collection analytics. Um, we're <laughs> right. we're not collecting any anything specific. Everything's anonymous, um, and you can delete your information. Michael Kelly always chooses to kill the child in scenarios. <laughs> <laughs> Judge him for it. <laughs> no, no no one will come knocking at your door. Um, so yeah, it's a touchy subject, but there's a lot of power in that, right? There's a, there's a lot of um, useful things that we, when you talk about a lot of these board games, they don't have access to big markets so readily available to make you know fast design decisions. So let's say we'll use Gloomhaven for example, and you're on a scenario, and 85 percent of the users fail this scenario. Okay, well that that tells me that the scenarios could be too hard, <laughs> but what if what if we then can start saying, okay, well, they tried it again and they still failed. They tried it again and they still failed. Then they never played again, right? So there's a difference between a game being too hard and just not fun, right? And that and that's always the challenge from a game designer standpoint of how do I make something that is challenging but won't turn off the players that I want to engage. That's that's hard. That's hard to do when you don't have like direct access to play testing like every day. <laughs> uh you know, especially when you're building the game. So the I mean these are some of the things that we want to to at least provide to a publisher um and but but more so than that, I think there's a lot of community engagement that can emerge from it. So now, now we can start seeing like, well, how do you compare to the rest of the Gloomhaven players? Yeah, that, that's the first thing that kind of occurred to me. I don't know if you all ever played any of the Telltale games, like The Walking Dead or any of those. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. But yeah, so so you're familiar then, uh, you know, I, I would make a choice like, oh, I, I killed Kenny and... 10% ten, 10 yeah. of players did, and I'm a horrible human being, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like being able to see uh, the comparative choices uh, matrix. I think that was kind of fun. One thing I wouldn't mind jumping into a little bit is we talked about voice actors, and you also mentioned about some of the sound stuff, but you mentioned a little bit about the music, and I'm a huge fan of giant epic compositions. Like when I'm playing a game, it's pretty common. I'm blaring like music from like Two Steps from Hell, which is like this... I don't guess familiar, but like trailer type music or other types of soundtracks. How do you get your music or where, where's that come from? We have a few libraries that we pay to license music from. And the way that we do, at least the way that I, because um, I, I edit a lot of the audio as well. I try to put myself in the position of a player in the scene as opposed to at the table and then, and then pull inspiration from there. So, I mean, I would love to pull soundscapes from like, like Skyrim or The Witcher or whatever, but we're really trying to match that quality with what we have. And on top of that, uh, like for the Isofarian Guard, there is an actual composer that is going to be putting together actual music tracks 
that match the dialogue and swells at certain, you know, parts of the scene. So it feels more like you're listening to a movie or you're, you're in the scene as opposed to uh, just hearing like an audiobook or somebody read you the story. And, and the, the number one goal of each, you know, each one of these tracks is to immerse you into the story as opposed to just get you through. So you understand what you're doing. Um, so we really, you know, pride ourselves on the quality of, of music and, and even the composer. I mean, it's amazing what the composer is doing. And that's actually uh, provided by Sky Kingdom Games. They, they went and hired a composer specifically to match to the audio tracks, which is wonderful. That, that's actually an interesting segue that uh, I would love to bring up. We, we, we're, we're trying to change the way that pub, you know, game designers build games too. If we start giving them more tools... Then you know, like like Sky Kingdom's doing this, getting a composer. You know, he wanted a. You know, Eric wanted a soundtrack, and and it's fantastic. But now now he also has a way to deliver that same that same soundtrack into all of the uh, the narration mix as well. So we want to give more tooling to designers as well to start taking advantage. Like oh, we want them to say. Wow, yeah, we we should build this game and have it on Foreteller. So let's let's get with them and figure out what what we can like what kind of features can we do? Right? What can, what th- what different things can we do that that's that's going to make us stand out even more? This does bring up a sort of follow-up question. Is there any functionality in the app or might there be for some games to have music continue after the narration is done? So you kind of have a cool soundtrack as you're actually playing or you're not really following that kind of thing? No, that's that's one of the um, that's that's uh, I, I think, Jason, that's, I think that's on our short list. I think I think that's one of the ones that we wanted to do um, near very near term. Yeah, because that would be amazing. Because I'm, I'm just thinking like I'm hearing this epic music as the narration reads and I'm like, yes, I'm ready to fight. And then it just goes away, and I'm like, oh, and now it's silent. <laughs> yeah. No, we definitely understand that, that that having that break of immersion is is going to make people realize, okay, I listened to something, now I'm playing a game, as opposed to having a full experience all the way through. So that's definitely something that we want to uh, get in fairly soon. And I got to throw it out there, it, it'll be configurable, because... I've gotten a lot of feedback. Not everybody wants music playing. <laughs> oh, so you can <laughs> which, like which sh- cool. shut it off. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. Yeah, yeah. We we want these things to be player choice, right? Yeah, that won't be one. That won't be me. I'll be playing it the whole time. Trust me. So <laughs> playing it in my car, just turn on the Forteller app. Be like, all right, hit me with some Gloomhaven. Yeah. <laughs> Admittedly, I was replaying your tutorial video a couple of times in a row there, just because I love the background music you chose there. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that being a DM or being DMs and and playing these games, there is so much to prepare already. So having to pick the right music and 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 all that is is just something extra that I think that we could, you know, including something like that, like a feature like that, would just take off the DM's plate and to say, okay, or the or the player's plate and to say, don't worry about the music, we got this, we know exactly what to. Uh, to have here in this particular scene and what you're trying to do to make this better. And, and, you know, we'll take it from here. For sure. Yeah. I love that. I try to put, when I put together some videos on YouTube, I always like to try to find some unique, unique, I know, theming to that game. And it just adds a little bit to that. I love it. 
Yeah, I'm boring. I'll just use the same music in the intro to almost all of my playthroughs. So <laughs> don't judge me, y'all. Don't judge me. I, I get tired uh, pouring through the uh, you know royalty free soundtracks after a while. <laughs> so speaking of that, uh, the video tutorial I saw, and this was posted on the Isofarin Guard update. I saw when I was watching that, it gave me a little chuckle that like, yep, this is a good company to be working with because Hoover put together that video, decided to put forth a username, the example he put up there. Bilbo Baggins. And so I got a huge <laughs> chuckle out of that. I'm like, yep. Yeah. That was me. Did you see the uh, the address? No, I didn't. What was the address? Uh, here, let me pull it up really quick. I can, I can, I think it was like one, two, three, you know, uh, Shire Hobbiton. Lane. It was in Hobbiton. Yeah, in Hobbiton. <laughs> I love it. Like I made a whole address for it. Yeah. See, so that's what Steve's really waiting for now. Uh, you know, foreteller narration for uh, the intro to each of the Lord of the Rings living card game scenarios <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> and, then, and then you have to license you know the uh howard shore or whatever music from the movies we could just pipe that right oh. in that'd be amazing <laughs> oh that would be fantastic <laughs> I'll, I'll take that phone call immediately yeah yeah there you go <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, jason and thomas it's been such a pleasure to talk to you guys and we're really excited uh so when this episode airs, it is highly likely the app will be in the iOS and uh, Android app store, but you know how apps can go with uh, approval and all that kind of stuff, so we're crossing our fingers that that'll be the case. But uh, just to let our podcast listeners know, uh, Fortaylor is has been generous enough to do a giveaway with us. We're going to give away a few uh, free codes for the Gloomhaven purchase within the app to have the Gloomhaven narration. So this is on the uh, YouTube channel, so if you only do the podcast, you'll have to jump over to the videos. <laughs> but uh, check out the YouTube channel. And actually, uh, we might be able to, you know, I say it's only YouTube, but we can probably put the link for the uh, entry form into the podcast info as well. So forget those videos. Who cares? You don't want to see my face anyway. Uh, <laughs> feel free to just go to the podcast uh, show notes, and you should be able to uh, put your name in. Although I will say, if you listen to the podcast a few days after it's aired... There's a good chance the contest will already be done. We want to make it a pretty quick turnaround so that people who are antsy to get their Gloomhaven narration on don't have to wait long. So yeah, uh, but Jason, Thomas, uh, thank you both so much, and we wish you all the best with your upcoming work. So excited to uh, hear the Gloomhaven stuff, but also see how Isofarian Guard comes out. And I assume, or well, I, I know about a few possibles we can't talk about, but... Uh, are, are you in talks with more companies for future narration? Yeah, so we're we're talking with Cephalofair to see if we can do the Frosthaven narration. And so we should have an announcement uh, hopefully next month, whether or not, you know, we should cross our fingers for that. And how about uh, besides uh, Sky Kingdom and Cephalofair? I know you can't name names, but are you potentially in talks with anybody else? Like, should we look for maybe another game or two in the next year or two? You, sh um, you yeah. should look for a game very soon. Oh, awesome. Okay. <laughs> so so more exciting news to come from Forteller. But yeah, so happy that everything is going so well already. So happy to have this option for these big uh, games that we love. We love dungeon crawlers and cooperative uh, experiences over here, of course. Awesome. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Thanks, guys, for your time. It was a blast. Yeah, but thank you all so much, and yeah, I uh, really look forward to more from Foreteller. Bye-bye, everybody. We'll see you at the next stop. Thanks for listening to another episode of the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Please check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. 
If you want to reach out to us, the best place to talk to us all is on the Slack. See the show notes for details. Also, you can support us on Patreon. Check out patreon.com slash one stop. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next week with another Top 5 list. 